This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, blue toon trip for United's happy ship. And there's more strife with D for life. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie. And podding alongside me today are George Cran. Hello. Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And from a secret location, Alan Temple. Good morning. Well, that's, that's I not, was not that to, much of a secret, is it? No, it's his use, but I, I was, <laughs> was going to pretend he was in Seville and make us seem like really sort of top end, but we can't really, because people would, people would notice tonight that he's not there. No, sadly he's got a Peterhead on Saturday. That's <laughs> a bit got, different. Why aren't you in Seville? Because I've got to go to Peterhead. Oh, Alan, you've gone all fuzzy on my screen. And he stopped again. This happened before, but apparently it continues, George says. so. On his end, yeah. On his end, yeah, yeah. so it's okay. If you can if you can still hear us, Alan, I don't know, shake the screen. I can actually still I can I can just I can just hear you now, yeah. So uh, I, I like to tr- start things off with a traditional freeze just to make everyone a Aye. little bit uncomfortable. But I, so I know it looks like watching, you're staring folks, at me. Watching. Stop it, please. Please. <laughs> and now that's, that's completely thrown me. Well, George, crack on. George, who are we doing first this week? You told me you told me two minutes ago and I can't remember. Uh Dundee United since they had a game. Yes, they, oh, they had a game, and well, while they didn't actually get presented with the trophy in October, as I suggested they should, a draw at Starks Park, Alan, fighting back again. That title was within their grasp. <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't quite go that far. It was definitely a game between the two best teams in the division, I would suggest. Um, it was pretty watchable, um, kind of in the in the principle of styles make fights it was uh, very watchable because united were trying to play through the lines and be structured measured in their build-up create chances that way and wraith rovers as we discussed last week uh, high press lightning quick on the break dangerous in that regard so it made for a really watchable game um united sloppy in the first half and that allowed wraith to play their counter game nick possession get forward score a good goal um in the second half united got to grips with the ball a little bit more, created a few chances, but it still did take a very good, um, well-worked corner kick to, to you know, get that equaliser. And, you know, United could have been a bit more potent from open play. There's definitely still work to be done, but if you are saying that there's still a little bit of work to be done and you've just drawn with probably the second best team in the division, um, uh, then I think you've got to very much take the positives for that. And again, it is a positives more in terms of character and personality and not allowing the atmosphere to kind of sweep you away once you could see that first goal. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, good in that regard, if a little bit of room for improvement in terms of the, the you know, the, the, the pretty football and, and cutting the opposition open side of things. And the impression I got from listening and reading reports, not for the first time this season. And you want to start well, but was it a positive that, again, United seemed to have a problem with opposition early on, but on the pitch they seemed to work it out? Yeah, it's a funny one. I'm not sure to what extent, you know, the problem's been caused by the opposition or, you know, Jim Goodwin's been quite open about the fact that he wants to play 
through the lines, possession football, controlled, measured, but still potent football, that maybe doesn't lend itself to exploding out the gates in a slightly sort of hear them, scare them fashion. So I don't, I don't know if that's maybe why sometimes it can seem to be a slightly slower start because they're trying to play a style of football that in its nature is maybe a little bit more precise. But either way, I think the slow starts, that's two consecutive games they've gone behind now, um, is maybe uh, something that they can improve on because um, they do have the quality to dominate games from the get-go. And if they can not give the opposition a foothold, it would make life a lot easier. But again, you're not going to play whatever it may be in all competitions, 42, 43 games a season and never fall behind. So the fact that they've done that and they've shown that they can cope with that is a real bonus because the team last season uh, picked up so, so few points coming from behind. It really was, um, a, 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 you know, a, often a started badly and fell away. You know, wiped away. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You can say that. Right. I mean, as, you, as Alan says, you don't want, while that is a positive, you don't want to be starting quietly or poorly in games because there will come a time when you can't break down the defence mm. if you go behind. No, and I'm sure it's something that Jim Goodwin has, has taken on board and they'll, they'll analyse it and see if there is something there that they maybe have to, to sort. But uh, the, the two positives that I've taken from, from the game, and I've got to say only saw extended highlights of, of the game, was the first one is one, how important Louis Mole is becoming mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Dundee United. Um, there are other players in that, in that striking lineup and in the team who look capable of scoring goals, Tony Watts weighed in, you know, Kai Fotheringham, there's a few defenders weighed in, but when United need a big goal, Louis Moult looks as though he yeah. is capable of coming up with that, and that's what you want from from your main striker. Some, you know, we've seen in the past when, when you're desperate for a goal and, and nobody seems to be able to get one, he seems to be able to find find the space and the composure to do that. I, I saw his goal, and Alan, Alan's right, I mean, I mean, I mean, certainly from a United point of view, the goal they scored. Have you, from a race point of view, have you, have you had a defender? Surely the one man you have to mark in that box is Louis Moult, and yet he finds himself unmarked at the back post. And I'll tell you why it happens because players look at the ball instead of the, ma- the man, and they go towards the first ball and it's flicked on, mm-hmm. and Louis Moult's come, Moult's yep. coming around the back post and finds himself in space and just taps over the line. And I, I, for the life of me, I, there must have been a wraith player that is earmarked to pick him up and has somehow lost them. Mm-hmm. And that's credit. All good strikers manage it. I have to say, all good strikers manage it, but it seems to be a modern defensive trait. Yeah. The number of times, the number of times over the last year I've watched the boy Haaland peel yeah. off yeah. for Man City. <laughs> and, and it's great movement by him. But if I'm a manager, I'm saying to my centre half, you look at him. Yeah. And if he moves, you move. Yeah. And then when he jumps, you jump. Yeah. And and I, I watched a couple of Harry Kane's yeah, early games that. for Bayern Munich and, and one of his goals, I could see actually Harry Kane looking at the yeah. defender and thinking, you know, following me here, no. pal. No. He, he let him go two <laughs> yards amazing. away. It's amazing uh, how uh, strikers uh, find that. And that's the secret that's to the a brilliant striker, yeah. isn't it? Uh, they find space and in it, the box. And one thing, the one thing they have to do, of course, is convert when they get there. And you're talking about Haaland and Kane and they do convert. And I've got to say, Louis, Louis Moult is, is doing that for Dundee United at this point in time. And, you know, it was it was a viable goal. And the other thing I took I took from the game was, and Alan saw the full game, and maybe he can come in on this, 
was the way Dundee United responded in the second half to being a goal down. Mm-hmm. I thought what I saw certainly on the highlights Same was the, 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 the they'd gone they'd gone into the change room. Jim Goodwin had had a word with them, and they came out and they looked as though they dominated. Really. Certainly, you know, for long periods of that game, deserved to get on top. And I think probably towards the end of the game, they, it became a wee bit more open, and there was a couple of chances at either end. But for me, it was impressive the way United hit back, and a great point for them in the end. All right. I mean, Baird has invited you in there, Alan. Sorry, Tom, I was just... Just, Sorry, just quickly before you get into your bit, we've often said what Jim Goodwin says to them, but I'm I'm sitting here looking at Ross Doherty, Declan Gallagher, Kevin Holt, experienced players. As as one of the benefits United have got this season, there'll be plenty of voices in the dressing room at half-time when things aren't going right. Well, this is a, a first because you've just made the exact point that I was going to make. So, <laughs> so it was worth you cutting me off. It time, was, uh, it's time for you. Uh, to go uh, off I was your just going to say like the me. one thing. <laughs> is, uh, the, the one thing that has emerged definitely as a pattern uh, is there's a real composure to this Dundee United team, which is so refreshing after last season when it. Uh, you, you hesitate to use the word panic, but uh, you never had particular faith in them as a defensive unit or being able to come back from behind or to you know to to produce pivotal actions and big moments in games you do now as it's even when they go behind there's there's a calm voices out there Ross Doherty, Craig Sibbald, particularly Declan Gallagher and Kevin Holt back there just calm as you like and Jack Walton there was a I mean, I wasn't, this has just popped into my head as, as we speak, but there was a moment where Jack Walton played a absolutely horrific diagonal pass right out of play. So, you know, terrible, his mistake very much so. But Wraith went to take a quick corner and Jack Walton's first instinct wasn't to apologise for the bad pass. It wasn't to beat himself up. He immediately roared at his defenders to make sure they weren't caught out with the quick throw that his mistake had caused. And just wee things like that, it's a very composed, professional grown-up football team that you don't sense it will lose games they will lose games of course but you don't sense that they'll lose games through uh stupidity and and losing the run of themselves which is um a real positive a real positive Mm -hmm. and going back to Molt, there are players who don't like pressure there are players who like pressure he seems to relish. I mean, he, uh, as he said after the game, he was inspired by the United crowd. But he, he came on and there's a 3,000 travelling support expecting him to get a goal. He seems like the kind of player now who welcomes that expectation rather than worries that if he doesn't get the goal, it's going to be his fault. He wants to be the man, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we've Sorry, Alan, I, I wasn't sure who that. that was director, if it was me or you, but I, I mean... The ether. Yeah, I mean, when he, when he came to the club, I think he has something to prove in Scottish football, and United, United have taken a punt on him, not on his ability to score goals at this level. He scored goals for fun in the Premier League, so we know he has the ability to score goals in the Championship. It was whether Louis Moult can, can get himself into physical shape to do that, and... and uh, touch wood at this point in time everything seems to be going well he, he, he has the composure he has the, the knack of finding space and that's why I've just said he, he's becoming more and more the key man for Dungeon United and we spoke a few weeks back about wrapping him in cotton wool and mm-hmm. I was a bit well you can't take your eye off the ball in the championship but looking at it now I think 
he does. I think Jim Goodwin will, will appreciate how important Louis Moult is to Dundee United and I'd be very surprised if you see him on the park at Peterhead this Saturday. Yeah, I was just thinking there as well, George. Is he the kind of player now that you're going to meet? Is he the kind of to liken him to Haaland again? Is he the kind of Haaland who you might be on a hat trick, but if it's 3-0, Jim Goodwin will say, you don't need the last 20 minutes. This game is one. Get off. Because like you say, like Bear says, wrap him in cotton wool when you can. Yeah, <clears throat> I think so. And you read what uh, Louis Mollet himself says, and he, he's talking about how he knows his body and doesn't take the risks that he used to. I'm sure... He'd be a bit annoyed if he got took off it with two goals uh, in the bag already, but he'd, he'd probably understand a lot more these days than maybe he would have when he was younger. Um, and yeah, I, th I think United showed against Queen's Park without him. They can cope without him in the in the division, mm -hmm. but when it comes to these big games, Wraith Rovers, they've obviously got a way to Partick Thistle's the next league game. Yeah. That's a big game where you need your big players. And I think that's certainly the way I'd be looking at it if I, if I was God forbid making decisions over there um, that you keep your big players for the big games because United have enough in their armoury to, to deal with a lot of the teams in this division but when it comes to going away to Wraith Rovers, to Partick you want Louis Moult in that team even if it's coming off the bench and making an impact like it did against Wraith um, so I, yeah I'd be very very surprised if, if he was anywhere near that pitch at Peterhead oh, and You said the cope against Queen's Park Island, they were yeah. admirable. I mean, we're saying he, Walt is the main man, but United, and I think, that again, going to my theory, if you're the big team, we things that can go for you, eat away at the other teams in the Championship. United have had a few injuries in recent weeks. Uh, in fact, since the start of the season, they've mm -hmm. lost key players or in the shape of Matthew Kujo, uh, form players, and they've coped admirably in that. They're sitting at the top of the league. That makes them feel good and others feel worried. Yeah, yes. you'd imagine Wraith Rovers' reaction when they've had a good first 55 minutes and they've kind of soaked up a lot of pressure and then they see that the opposition are able to bring on Louis Moult, who was the you know, arguably one of the best strikers in Scotland a couple of years ago. It is a, it's, it's a psychological boost and indicative of the fact that Dundee United have got a, a very strong squad and I would be inclined to um, use that squad this weekend listening to your you know, your, your chat there. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't even have Louis Moult, Declan Gallagher or maybe Craig Sibbald, although you know, his, his body is his, but he came back very early from his injury. I wouldn't have any of them on, even on the bus to Peterhead. I'd let them uh, stay home with their families for the weekend and, and rest and recuperate. They've got, particularly in that midfield area, there's loads of options, loads of people chomping at the bit. And in defence, Ross Graham came on, didn't put a foot wrong against Wraith Rovers, let him play against uh, Peterhead, keep Declan Gallagher at home. If anything happens to Ross Graham, bring on Ollie Denham, who's also desperate for another chance. There, There is enough of a squad there that I wouldn't be taking any chances. And, I, you know, I remember what, you know, Bear said about, you know, you know, not, you know, being careful in the league, which absolutely I do understand. I don't, cards on the table, I don't see the, the same imperative to be super careful in the, the SPFL Trust Trophy if there's a 10% chance that your alterations or the decisions that I'm talking about I would make biting you, then so be it. I would take that 10%. It's, it's the Challenge Cup. It's, uh, I can, uh, the, the only priority is having a fully fit, firing 
Uh, 100% team going to Firhill. Championship is all that matters. And if you can get yeah. through that first quarter, having played Wraith Rovers and Partick Thistle away from home, be unbeaten and at the top of the league, happy days. You are, you've had such a good quarter. And even with a game against Peterhead this weekend, that would still be where my mind is. So Jim Goodwin won't, probably won't be saying that, certainly not to us, um, but that's where, that's probably where I would be, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and again, Bear George, as well as the benefit of a depth to his squad, Jim Goodwin's all, also got players like Gallagher, Holt, Doherty, and others who he can do what Alan says and not even have them on the bus on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And they're the kind of professionals he's not worried where they've been on Friday night and what they're doing on Saturday night. He knows that they'll turn up on Monday morning if he gives them the weekend off, fit and ready to go with their preparations for the Partick game. Yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll trust the squad to do to do the right things. Um, the professional players, you know, they're not going to get carried away. I mean, I, I think a few a few of them may be left at home, uh, but I think there will be a sprinkling of first-team men, certainly, on, on that bus going up, mm -hmm. to, going up to Peterhead. I thought the Challenge, Challenge Cup was good for Dundee last season because Dundee, like United, had a big squad. Yeah. They had a big squad, so they weren't taking their eye off the ball, but they were able to give a lot of guys who were champing at the bit to get a game. So it was an opportunity to actually do that. And, and you know, they got themselves through to the, the latter stages uh, of it. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's sidetracked Dundee at, at all because of the fact they had that big squad. So I think it's, it's, a, it's advantageous to have this competition. You, you, I'm sure Jim Goodwin will be able to see a, a few players who have been knocking at the door and, and, and seeing what they can do. And it might not mean that they will uh, be pitched in at Firhill the following week. But at least it will give them game time in, mm -hmm. in a competitive atmosphere. And that, that's good for good for Jim Goodwin and good for the team going forward. Yeah, and if, I mean, if this uh, a victory on Saturday up at Peterhead's great, but if this game gives you 16 fully fit, fully match fit players for Partick, mm -hmm. that has to give you an edge, doesn't it? And, and that's a thing, I mean, I, I remember speaking to... Uh, Dundee players in the, the the time that they went from Benetti to Jim Duffy as manager and they had five strikers. And they all, as a squad, they all, all said it was great to see the look on defenders' faces when after an hour <laughs> you were taking off a good striker and putting on a good striker. And United have got that all over the pitch at championship level. They don't get weaker when they make a substitution. And the, fa the fa financial fact of the matter is most teams at that level do get weaker when yeah. they make a substitution. Absolutely. I mean, I think going, going back to the Benetti era, they would have loved to have been playing now where you could bring on five substitutes. Yeah. <laughs> you just couldn't do it in those days, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Although Avaro's concentration wasn't a great thing. <laughs> probably put six on. Yeah, but it's, they're, United are in a good, a good place at this point in time. As Alan says, you know, get a result of Fur Hill. The first quarter is looking like they've got off to a really good start. If you think back, think back to the, you know, the dark days of the League Cup section, the, the early defeat to, to Spartans. Was it? Spartans and Thistle you know? as well. I nearly forgotten about yeah. that. But it's, that's Aye. credit. That is credit to what Jim Goodwin has done with that squad. I think you'll find in those dark days, somebody <laughs> on this podcast not only predicted they'd win the league by October, <laughs> although you had a nervy patch around <laughs> Also, if, you, if they got it right in the league, those days would be forgotten yeah. about. And it, maybe there needs to be a wee reminder. They did lose to Partick. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. But you have to say that 
the, he was still building that squad. You know, there mm -hmm. were a few players still still to come in. You know, the defence had to change and, and reorganise itself. And they've got themselves in a really good position. I mean, and, and the, the thing is, the players that aren't getting a game know it's really tough to get in that team. And if they do get in, they know what they've got to do to stay in it. They need to be playing at a really high standard to keep themselves in that team. And the manager must be loving that, that at the moment, Tom. Because there must have been a point in, in time through his period at United where he was looking at a squad where he, he didn't know who to play. Week in, week in. Now I would imagine he's got about eight names on the team sheet, you know, on a, on a, on a Friday afternoon yeah. solid. I mean, probably even earlier than that, you know, so as long as players are fit. So, yeah, they're doing well. They've just got to keep it going now. Keep it going. They've got great, but I've got to say on Saturday, wonderful backing from the support. Again, you know, how many were there, Alan? Maybe yeah. two, two and a half, three thousand Dundee United Three, fans. yeah. There was, there was... 3,200 and that's even in light of the fact that I think four or five trains got cancelled. I was so horrendous, it was a yeah. real, uh, a, a real, a real effort. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I think that, that inspires them as well. They were playing up, up the hill at, oh, DC up the hill at, at Stars Park. Now, it's an optical illusion, Stars Park. I mean, must, that astroturf must be flat. It's got to be flat. But it still looks yeah. like you're playing up hill and down. They've levelled out. <laughs> but the Bear, I've never lost that thing where I'm totally, if I see a train, I'm like, choo-choo. I've never noticed the slope because I'm always looking for the train. <laughs> no, it, it just looks as well. I wish that was a joke, but pathetically, yeah. that's actually true. Yeah. I've never noticed the slope at Starts Park. Oh, yeah. the slope? I've never noticed either, I have to admit. Maybe yeah. I'm watching the trains as no, well. No, you played know. down to the Wraith fans. They always played down to the Wraith fans. I played about at Starts Park many, many years ago. There was a slope on it. Right. I mean, there can't be now. Astroturf has got to be flat, I'm sure, but I, I think it's an optical illusion. It goes down the break. I mean, have you ever gone past the main stand at Stars Park? It's a it huge drop. The, uh, yeah, it goes down to the first of four. I'm not getting much support here, lads. Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember <laughs> that it's got... It's got to be They paid an absolute fortune. <laughs> I was I was going to say, and they paid an absolute fortune for it. I remember having a, a off-the-record conversation where... Uh, when Barry Smith was in charge there, when they were getting that Astro done and getting all the pellets put down, and him t and him saying just how much everything cost and what it was coming out of his budget, so it's, um, like Barry. Uh, <laughs> I would hope that it's flat. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I would hope it was flat because it cost them a, a pretty penny. A, it wouldn't be like Barry to moan, and B, it wouldn't be like Barry to text me after this and go, Tom. That was an off-the-record conversation you tell us <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> and he never gave away the figures. You'll not remember. <laughs> He's probably on his way to training in Elgin tonight already, so you'll not hear. Ah, of course, I Elgin, right enough. I mean, it's been a while, just when we were speaking there about uh, Bear brought in Dundee good use of the Challenge Cup last uh, season. And United can do the same, and hopefully they'll have a few more games in it to do the same. But uh, put a sort of time frame in mind. We we're speaking there about United not uh, not firing on all, all cylinders yet. But but from where they were in the League Cup two months ago to now, and this is mainly because we haven't praised Jim Goodwin for a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's a lot quicker. A new team has got going a lot quicker under Jim Goodwin yeah. than they did. Dundee were able to last year. It says a lot for them. I think so. I mean, you look at that team that played against Wraith. I think uh, what four of the back five are new. I think, and then you had maybe Fotheringham, who mm -hmm. wasn't really in the team last season, and I think maybe five or six of that starting team were are new, mm -hmm. which tells you that how quickly things have come together. It's probably 
I don't know whether it's maybe surprised, surprised him, good one maybe a wee bit that it's, it's come together so quickly in a good way, obviously, um, because it's difficult to, to basically rebuild a whole squad, which he's done. He has brought in uh, experienced players, which we've talked about, which helps because uh, there are obviously no what it takes to come in a new team and get things going. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think they're looking really, really, really solid as a whole team. I mean, that that goal they conceded was the first goal they've conceded away from home in the, in the division, mm-hmm. which tells you just how solid they've been, which uh, speaks volumes for a, a new team. Um, and if a new team's playing like that in October, <laughs> give them the trophy, they're only going yeah. to get better. So why haven't they given them the trophy as I requested? Because <laughs> Wraith Rovers are quite good as well. Wraith Rovers are quite good. <laughs> right, they're better. They could, well, we'll find that out. They could well be. Uh, they're better so far. Obviously, the top of the league, that's exactly where you want to be. In terms of this game on Saturday, um, I've always been fairly positive about the, the Challenge Cup. I know not everybody is, but I, I see this as a game you just want to go and win another game and keep things, keep things ticking along. Obviously, try and uh, well, the squad shield your players. To keep them playing, doesn't exactly. It? And and as you're talking about having 16 players who are fit and ready to go, you you want to give the the fringe guys a, a chance and the opportunity that they're looking for, um, and make the most of it. I mean, it's it's a great situation for a manager to be in, to be top of the league, have this a proper game, even if it might not be an important competition, but gives you a chance to then go and give players that you've you maybe felt a wee bit guilty about not giving them a chance because they've been doing really well in training and but somebody's ahead of them this is your chance to to go and do that and it's it's just good to keep things going i mean obviously every i'm a i'm the dundee writer i'm looking at a weekend with no game it's rubbish i, I hate that i'm sure the players are probably the same they're probably mm-hmm. be playing um but united get to keep going it's good make the most of it i'd say I never knew you hated the weekend off, George. I'd have given you my games when we worked together. You did? As George says it, you know, the chance for, and Baird said, <laughs> Alan, the chance for players, and you know, to get match fitness. An interesting one over the last few days, I see that Jim Goodwin is pushing Matthew Cujo to be fit. Uh, it crossed my mind, is that a wee sort of message to him? You're a first team player now, son. We need you fit all the time. This isn't about, yeah, get, get ready when you can. This is... We need you on it as soon as possible, all the time. Which uh, young players at some stage in their career need to need to be reminded of or told. There might be an element of that, but I, I think it's more an element of, and, and you guys touched on it there in a team context. But I think it's more about momentum. Um, I think Jim will be very cognizant that Matthews missed two games through suspension, a third game through injury. You don't want that no. spell without first-team football to extend too long because you're then in a position where he needs to come back into the side and needs to get his feet again and, and build that momentum from scratch. I think he just wants him back in the team as, as quickly as possible. He's a player that uh, the coaching staff really, really rate and think could do you know exceptionally good things. So I think they'll just want that Peter Head game is a really good chance for to see if Matthew's still got that momentum and has still got that uh, X factor after a few weeks out in order to make a more educated decision about Partick Thistle. Um, because um, if, if Matthew was to sit out uh, this one this weekend, and same goes for Archie Mikkelsen, who will be a late decision, if they were to not get any minutes at Peterhead, it's a big shout to then go, well, I'm going to trust you guys 
uh, at Fur Hill. Um, it did strike me that the pee that was on Jim's uh, mind wasn't the pee that came out of his mouth when he said <laughs> Peter Head. He's, he is thinking ahead to Patrick Thistle, isn't he? Yeah. I think, well, I think, yeah, while not writing off the game um, this weekend, because um, I don't think he would be too happy if I was to suggest he was doing that, but uh, he's certainly, um, I think, any sensible manager is going to be conscious not only of the, the match that follows the next one but the one that follows that one and follows that one you know managers regardless of how often they'll say it's one game at a time they're big picture thinkers so it's um you'll he'll, he'll know what he's he's doing in that regard and you'll just want to see if matthew's um up to speed and ready for for this weekend and the following weekend and beyond that i thought it was interesting what you guys just mentioned there about um i think george used the word guilty about not playing players um george has been I, guilty I, that's for sure <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the, the 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 perfect word, but it's certainly a, a good point because I think the way that Jim Goodwin's spoken about, in particular, guys like Ross Graham and Kieran Freeman, there's a he is so full of praise for how hard they're working and what they're doing in training and how they're pushing themselves that that you do sense a little bit of regret that he's not been able to give them a chance. But the back four um, has been so consistent that it's been just impossible to change and you get the feeling that the way he's talking about Ross Graham and Kieran Freeman if they played in any other position in the team other than goalkeeper they'd probably have got a chance that that, that hard work had merited so um, I think there is there will definitely be an, I don't I think he'll change for the sake of changing I think but I think he will change if he feels that some guys have been working hard and maybe not got the rewards in terms of minutes that ordinarily um, that they might have in, in any other season. And before we leave the subject of Peterhead and United, I notice it's a 5.30 kickoff. Does that mean I need my English Gaelic dictionary on Saturday night? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it's televised, 5.30. That's my code Awfully. for it's on the telly, on Awfully that convenient. channel. <laughs> yes, it's, it's it's on the telly with the... the uh, the 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 Gaelic one, um, so it's uh, it's good for the good for the punters that can't make it up the road. It's definitely you sick get yeah. the feeling that it's definitely an away day for the completists this season because um, I know a few guys that that do the miles and and aren't necessarily making the trip to Balmore, which totally understandable in the current um, financial uh, climates and things. So it's um, it's one for the completists, but if not, then uh, it's, it's it'll be a televised one and a decent occasion, if not the most. Um, convenient uh, time when you're uh, working at it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's all about you uh, and before we leave united we should actually as, congra- as ego. <laughs> we should congratulate them on being united for a hundred years because it is now a hundred years since they changed their name from dundee hibs and uh, had we known about it last week we would have been plugging a, a an exhibition marking that and the foy of our very own DC Thompson's Towers here. And talking of exhibitions, United get a mention. The SFA are on tour just now with an exhibition about Rutherglen Ladies FC, who played a very important part in the development of the ladies' game and that when the English FA banned ladies' football in the 1920s and the Scottish FA couldn't be bothered banning but agreed that this wasn't for women... Rother Glen ladies kept going. And as a fellow Dundonian bear, you won't be surprised, so did a team affiliated to Dundee United ladies at the time. 
uh, to Dundee United at the time, rather, who were a team of ladies, because they weren't uh, good in we'll play if we want and you're no telling us no to. And the reason I mention this, that SFA exhibition is currently in the upper floor foyer of the Central Library. And they're laughing at me here, and yes, my wife did tell, <laughs> tell me that I had to mention it. It's the only time she's ever spoken to me about football in 40 years. I thought you were say it's the only time she's ever spoken to you. Okay. It's only the second time she's spoken to me in 40 years, and it's the first time about football. But moving swiftly on before I get a phone call. Dundee George, mm -hmm. I got up on Saturday morning and said, that game's no good. <laughs> to be fair, um, some of the best golf courses in the world with the best drainage of any sports facilities yeah. in the world in this area uh, couldn't function for two days uh, over at St Andrews, Carnoustie and Kings Barnes for the whatever cup it is, Dunhill Cup. So you can't really uh, expect Dundee, but it did occur to me now that um, Dundee have re-purchased their stadium, maybe a wee bit of work on the drainage uh, would be... Well, I think that the problem is beyond their control, I think, is the issue. Uh, it's the drainage down on Dens Road that backs up um, that causes a problem. Um, and you can imagine when there's that amount of rain that... that yes, that's just, what I say. We should stress that yeah. this, on this occasion, we, d despite what the weather forecast said, we were the epicentre of the rain. And <laughs> it was, there was no chance of a uh, football pitch in, or any outdoor sports facility in this area being playable last weekend. I, I'm, t I'm trying to think of a Dundee home game that hasn't been absolutely pouring down, to be fair, this season. Even the first game of the season was probably... It's probably the, the one game where it's been closest to getting called off and didn't get called off that I've been at in a long time. Um, I mean, they were actually on the pitch during the game to push water off it in that one. And that's the first game of the season. Uh, but the last week, I mean, I, I was out and about on the Friday. It was, I was just had a T-shirt on. It was lovely. It was nice and warm. And I thought, oh, this would be great for a football game tomorrow. And then I looked at the forecast that, oh, no, uh, it's not going to happen. So, it's yes, it's just, it's been a bit... Unfortunate with the, the timing of these really, really heavy uh, spells of rain seem to be on Saturdays when Dundee are playing at home. But the game's in the book already. Um, it's going to make things a wee bit tighter. Uh, when we kick off again in a couple of weeks, it's Aberdeen, Ross County, Livy, Rangers. And then there's another game on the weekend. So it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Tuesday, October the 24th, the game yes. has been rearranged for... It's a blow to Dundee, isn't it? Because after the, the a decent start to the season, a very good result at Easter Road the week before, yeah. this, was a, this was a chance to uh, keep a good run going. They have built up a wee bit of momentum, certainly good for them, shall we say. You know, they started the season relatively well. They've, they've shown positive signs, as I said last week. They're looking more and more like a Premiership side. I'm always, I'm not a big fan of the way the league is interrupted because international breaks, and I, but we just have to live with that. And now on top of that, you, you throw in a, a game that's postponed because of the weather. And, you know, it'll be nearly three weeks when Dundee play their next game yeah, since they've played. Time. And that, that's, a, that's a worry. Start. That's a worry because, you know, the manager, although they've been on the training ground for the majority of that time, the manager will be concerned that you just lose that, you know, that that 
like all the good stuff that you've done, you worry if it's going to be you're going to be a bit stuttery when you get back. But yeah. it's up to up to them to get going again when they do get up to Aberdeen next Saturday night. Another evening game to look forward to. Um, but Jordan, I've got to say, um, you know, it was a good call from Dundee to make the early call. They're playing Ross County. You know, it saves any fans making the journey. I mean, the game was never ever in a million years going to be going to be playable. And the last thing you want, I mean, Dundee are, are, are playing some decent stuff at this point in time. The last thing you want is the game being on and turning into an absolute farce. So it's, you know, it's, 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 it's you know, victory could be based on the ball sticking in the water. Or, yeah. You know, and play, players can get injured as well. So, yeah, it was the right call. There's no way that game could And the be, way Dundee want to play, they want a yeah, good pitch for the rest of the season. That's absolutely right. I mean, so there was no way that game could have been played. So they've just got to, they've just got to get on with it now. Um, I'm sure Tony Dockery will have... Uh, fixed up a couple of bounce games there's in a, between there's a reserve game on Tuesday against Dundee United right okay. I, I wonder how many where is uh, that where is that taking place do you know uh, North End maybe right okay I think. Um, is, that, is that in the evening or no afternoon right okay so it'd be interesting to see how many first teams. Playing a game at North End and we've no told you there no I know you're, you're, there's a statue <laughs> of you at North End <laughs> I've completely forgotten about me up there now um, I, th I think it's there uh, the, um they had uh, a testimonial as well. Uh, they were the yeah. testimonial opponents for Stirling Albion's Ross McGeechy. Sorry, uh, and Tony. I Dockett, always preferred McGeechy. It might be McGeechy. Yeah. Um, Tony Dockett sent a, a strong team to that one. It was stronger than I expected. I thought it would be a Dundee select type yeah. thing, but it was very much first teamers who weren't away on international duty. Or and did you injured. go? Uh, no. Uh, heads the oh, it was stronger <laughs> than I expected. I was led to believe it. Yeah, <laughs> so you could have been watching a first team squad game and you missed it. Could it could have been, yeah. Thought you hated time off. <laughs> I did, but it was I had a lot of stuff to do during the day, that's all. Uh in terms of work, I wasn't just hang, hanging about doing my own stuff. Um but it would have been good to see Diego Pineda back on back on the pitch in dark blue because he got a run out and we haven't seen him in a while. Most still got a game as well. We haven't seen him because both both things been really, really good. Uh, difficult to dislodge so uh, Lee Ashcroft got a game I'm trying to think of Legstons was in goal it's guys that haven't been getting a chance um, just, even if it's a testimonial it's maybe not the highest competitive action but they're, they're getting a run out uh, Luke McCown scored uh, Jack Wilkie scored as well in the 2-2 draw so the guys are getting games but it's not. it's really not ideal having three weeks off is it no, as I say, the international break always annoys me, especially if you've been going well and you've got, yeah. to, got to stop. But it's the way it's been for, for years now, the first three months of the season. What's interesting, I saw yesterday somebody suggested um, they should have an international season. Yeah. Just stop the, at the end of the season between April and May or whatever. You just put all the international all games, the games. In, a, in one go and stop and have the club season for a different part of the And you know what? The benefit of that could be... if. if the, they were brave enough to try that. I always think the the, the close season's so short now mm. that people sort of drift back. Whereas if you finished in April, who knows? Maybe come mid July, start August, fans are chomping at the bit to see their team yeah. again. Mm. The only problem I can see with that is international season at the end of a season is if there's a European Championship or a World Cup and it's in the summer you have the international Champions season. League and, final. And then, be the same. You move right. You'd move right from the international season. You'd qualify, and then you just move into another. No, I think that that would probably be the international season. Though, so I that think. would be it. Yeah, I guess I don't. 
Bear makes a very good point there, George, that we didn't think of, but he's still a spoiled sport, <laughs> if you ask me. Talk, talking of uh, international breaks and bringing it back to Dundee, I was very disappointed that Owen Beck never got some sort of run out for Wales last night I'm, against Gibraltar. I'm even more yeah. disappointed that I watched the entire second half waiting yeah. to see if he'd come in. As the commentator said, uh, with about 15 minutes to go, I have no more subs left, so he oh, can't I, come I, on. I, never did not I didn't no. quite understand this. They, they seem to make, they made six subs by around the start of the second half or very half early. Time, yeah, it was, I, I think maybe one of them was, there was an injury yeah, very yeah. early on that Wales had to make a change, but they made six subs and then... 45 minutes and nothing. I think the manager probably just because he's done so well at Dundee, this has been flagged up to him. And I think the manager just wants to get him involved and, and wants to get him involved in the, you know, the full team yeah. setup. And he'll just, I've seen Steve Clark doing the same sort of thing. And you have to wait your time. You have to bide your time. You know, these, the Robbie manager, Savage's laddie didn't it? He's got 90 <laughs> minutes. But, um, I'm sure Beck's chance will come. Uh, the, way, the way he's been playing, he's been one of the outstanding players for Dundee this season. You look, you look at, I noticed, George, did you do a thing with the top five players this week? Or was that just, just in the, one of the chats? But, I mean, for Dundee, you'd be looking oh, yeah. at Beck, certainly. You'd be looking at possibly the goalkeeper, Alex Shaughnessy. I think he's done well. You spoke about Luke McCown. He's been outstanding Yeah. this season. Um, you know, but they've got one or two others who, have, who are playing at a very high standard. And that's, that's something they're, they're going to have to continue because while they've, they've done well, when you look at the league table... They're, they're sitting third bottom at this, at this point in time. It is very tight. It is early days. You made a key point that yeah. the form's good. Yeah. The results can be better. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I mean, I think when you when you look at it, certainly they, they threw away a couple of points at St Johnston that day, certainly, but late lapses. But then they clawed that back the other week there with, with the late goal. So, you, you know, that, that, these things happen in seasons. You've just got to... I think the manager, again... Just like Jim Goodwin across the road will be very satisfied with, with, with the way his team is playing and with the fact that he's brought in a lot of new players. Mm -hmm. You know, we spoke about United's defence, Dundee's defence is practically entirely Made more changes stuff. all yeah. over the pitch even than Jim Goodwin's made. Yeah, yeah. So, the, you know, the, they've just got to keep on keep on going and, and you know, keep, do, keep doing good things. The guys who are out of the team keep need to be... You've spoken about so many first-team players who I got a run up in that friendly, George, who must, be, again, be chomping at the bit to yeah. get in. But they're looking and saying, how do you get in when the, when the team's playing well? You've just got to bide your time. Mm. And when you get that opportunity, take it. Make sure you take it. That's what I would say to anyone. If you get the opportunity, you know, don't let it slip. Because I'm sure Tony Doherty will be honest. And if somebody does a job on the part for him, he will keep retaining that jersey the next week. But... Uh, yeah, it's, it was disappointing that, because I felt that the game against Ross County was was an opportunity to go and get another victory. I think that was the thing. Well, the start, the start of the season, well, they've only got the one win on the board yeah. at this point in time. That was going to be an opportunity. No disrespect to, to Marky McKay and his side who have given Dundee big problems in the past uh, at Dens Park. It would have been a tough game, but it was a, a real opportunity to go and get three points. And had they done that, and been sitting at 10 points at this point in time, you know, the league table would have looked much better. I was going to say there, Alan, I mean, perception's everything, but I'm looking at a league table just now, Dundee are on seven points, three points above the bottom, in 10th place. Had the had the beat Ross County last weekend, if the game had gone ahead, they'd now be sitting in sixth. Only three points better off, but during an international break, a much better feeling for everybody. 100% and that's the real frustration about 
the fact that it was the Ross County game that didn't go ahead because it feels like we've been talking for a, a couple of weeks now about the fact that they're putting together some creditable results and the performances are relatively good, but the games against St Johnston and specifically at home to Ross County were the ones where you go, right, let's turn that into three points mm-hmm. and put a bit of breathing space and then you can sort of decide whether it has been a good start to the season or whether um, you're going to be reflecting on um, you know, plaudits but no prizes kind of thing. So uh, I think that will be a, a real element of frustration and yeah, it would have been a real you know, wouldn't define the season, but it would. Have, I feel like it would almost have defined the, the way you look at the start of the season if they could have got three points against Ross County and, and that game had gone ahead. But I th- like as you guys touched on, I w- what I would also say is I've covered enough games that have been ruined by wind mm-hmm. and rain and then become a toss of a coin. And you know what? See if you're going to be looking back at the end of this season on crucial games between, um, you know, whether it's Dundee, Ross County, Dundee, St Johnston, Livingston, whoever it may be, you don't really want any of those crucial three points to have felt like they were decided on the toss of a coin because of terrible conditions, puddles, wind, all that sort of thing. So I think it was a sensible decision. Right. And there is a wee concern there, Bear, that you you want to accumulate points while you're playing well because very few teams don't have a bad patch in the season. Yeah, and Dundee have been doing that. That was... That was the big thing for me coming into the, into the season. They had to pick up points on a regular basis and they've done that. What you, We've seen Dundee in the past coming up to the league, maybe getting a win here, but then going six six games without without picking up a point or mm. just picking up one point. They look as though they're capable of getting points in every game and hopefully you know, they, they can keep doing that. And that's based, I have to say, on defensive solidity. The goalkeeper, the two centre-backs... The two fullbacks, I've got to say, have, have done well. Has been Beck on one side, whether it's been Cami Kerr or, or you know, whether it's been Jordan McGee. They've all they've done really well. They've been well disciplined. The team looks as though it's got a great shape about it. You know, we've spoken on various times. What sort of shape are Dundee playing? Four four two, three five two. Yeah. It seems to. It does like to wh- change it. Whatever happens, they all seem to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I've not seen any. Uh, they've very rarely been exposed. I, mean, I can't remember. We've seen it so often in the past where you go. This one man just breaks from the halfway line, running through on the Dundee goal, and you're going, where's the defence gone? That yeah, just yeah. hasn't happened. They look as though they've been well drilled on, on what they've got to do. So that gives you hope going forward. Um, they've got a real tough one coming up against Aberdeen. Yeah. Because Aberdeen, Barry Robson's come in for a wee bit of stick up there for, because of the way they've started the season. They put a couple yeah. of wins on the board, but then again, St Johnston got there in fair play to St Johnston do a good job and, and come away with a, a, a decent point. Now, that's going to make it even tougher for Dundee going up there um, next Saturday. But now, Aberdeen are hard to predict. They can, yeah, they can got, get big results and they can get very, very poor results. When, they're the sort of team when they're firing, they're the really impressive side. But I think, I, you know, I go back to when Jim Goodwin was in charge. Some of those players are still there. And the reason Jim Goodwin ended up getting the sack was because they didn't perform on a regular basis. And, and unfortunately, the, on nearly a regular basis as they should have done. So I'm hoping that's what that's a sort yes. of Don's performance we get next week when Dundee are up at Petodre. I, I would prefer to play them like St Johnson did on the back of a European game, though, rather yeah. than on the back of a week's training or 10 days training or whatever, a couple of weeks that they've managed. I don't know how many players they've got away in international duty, but that's, I think that, that's something they're having to deal with yeah. this, this season is, is group stage football in, in Europe, which is a lot different to their usual seasons over the past few. Yeah. Um, and I think that St. Johnson maybe got them at a good time on the, after that. Um, 
but I don't see any reason why Dundee can't go up there and, and yeah. really be really competitive and pick something up because they show that at Hibs that they can do that um, and they look like a team that can do it fairly regularly yeah, Dundee have showed it in a few away games this season no, uh, unfortunately a few of them have also ended in defeat but for long periods of games and for 90 minutes against Hibs they can stop teams playing Yep, they've done. And as as I said, I mean, have you watched the highlights of the Hibs game? I looked like Hibs absolutely murdered Dundee. And that that wasn't quite a true reflection of the game. Dundee played a lot of good control stuff when they were on the ball, but obviously they don't make highlights. There's chances to make highlights, yeah. mm-hmm. and Dund- Dundee had two or three good chances in that game. But they need to find they need to find somebody who's going to put the ball in the onion bag, George. Who's, <laughs> you know, we spoke about Louis Moult at United. Who's going to be Dundee's man? Who's going to step up to the plate? Mm on a regular basis and, and start finding the back of the net because there's a, there's, a, there's a chance it was, you're talking about Pineda we've not seen a lot of him he, he looks very slight to me but if he can come on and start finding the net mm. he'll get in the team because there isn't there isn't really anyone I've got to say Bakayoko I like Bakayoko to I me looks the most complete forward at this point in yeah, time because he's, he's, an ex- he's an experienced guy I think I th- Zach Rodden's working his socks off to stay in that team and, and hats off to him but he needs to improve his own his, Overall play, is, yeah. you know, that will come. That will come with him. He's still, he's still a young man. He also has to find more goals. And that, there's an opportunity there for 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 someone at Dens mm-hmm. to, to step in and you know say, listen, I'm the I'm the, going to be the main man here. And yeah. Goals every week. And there's Zach Robinson as well. It's uh, actually yeah. Have. I'm sorry, I completely forgot. About yeah, him. well, that's. He's, I he's, think he's been unfortunate in some of the, t- the positions he'd been playing. He's, had, he's yeah. played that wide. He's kind of played a wee bit deeper. Certainly, Celtic. Um, actually, got a story that'll be on the on the website tomorrow. Uh, he picked up a wee an injury. He's been he's been playing with an injury for the past few weeks, which maybe explains why he's not been quite the the same as that Robinson we saw last season. Obviously, the step up level as well. Uh, but he he's still the top scorer mm-hmm. in all competitions mm-hmm. from his goals in the league cup. Um, so they're hoping that after. Uh, this international break that and him, he's back the to likes of Robinson and Rudden could be needed next week because Bakayoko's. Well, he's in Morocco. It's not too bad. It's I mean it's, it's still traveling. It's, it's still, still traveling. He's, he's moving about. As, as far as going to Africa and flights, length of flights and right, time he, zones he and stuff, it's not bad. Further, yeah. he, I'm sure they'll all, all get their chance. I mean, we've, we've spoken about games being postponed, and I, I noticed that they've rescheduled a, a Livingston game as well in there. So there's a lot of fixtures. Yeah. Coming up, and you, you simply cannot play with the same eleven guys week in week out. He's going to have to utilise that squad. Everybody's going to get game time, so there'll be opportunities there. And moving to off-field matters, just to see the hang dog look on George's face because he hates such things. <laughs> John Nelm's often strained relationship with the fans group D for Life is strained again. Yeah, it keeps kind of rumbling timing, on because things are going quite well this season, and and they've just they've had a decent start to the season. They've invested big. The new managers got everybody excited. They've bought back the stadium, and the fans aren't happy. Well, the, the fan the fans group D for Life are happy because obviously when they sold the, their majority shareholding to. The Keys family and John Nelms coming in. Part of that agreement was that they would have place on the on the board as a fans fans rep, and they haven't got that at the moment. So I think, yeah, I made made my 
opinion clear in, in the paper yesterday that I think that would be a really good thing for the club as a, as a whole to have that kind of uh, arrangement in place. Um, so it'd be good to for the two right, sides. If to, it's there in the, uh, if it's exactly, there, it should be. It's in the club's it articles. Be it should yeah, be. Probably. The only thing I got reading your story, George, was that D for Life seem less concerned about that than they are about the the stream of information they're getting from Dens. Yeah, no, that's which been, I found a wee bit, wee bit strange because they're not like any of us. He can tell us what he wants. He, he's the, the boss. I mean, I, I need to put my cards on the table here. When when anybody in my adult life, uh, and I was sober, has said to me, "But it's our club." I said, "No, it's not my club. It's the club I support." I've always, I've never had any illusions about ownership. I mean, I was thinking about it on the way in. My my house is about two hundred years old. A lot of people lived in it before me. Yeah. A lot of people might, if I don't blow it up or burn it down, <laughs> are living it after me. But it's my house. I own it. And it's Tim Keyes and John Nelms mm. Football Club. They own it. And and, and I, I, I get the old custodian and I get the emotional attachment and people are entitled to their own opinion. But I, I think... While I, I don't understand why D for Life aren't pushing even harder to get back on the board because they should have a representative on the board because that's that's what the club's articles say. Mm. Saying that you want to know, you want more information. And I, I would make another point, I said this at the time, the fans wanted the American owners and they got American owners. Now, if you look at American sport, American owners, some of them, speak to supporters but American owners are owners and they decide what they tell you and they maybe should have thought a wee bit more about that uh, 10 years ago when the club was sold to Tim Keys because they're not they're not really doing that much different from what a lot of American owners do and if they want to tell them lots yeah. that's great but it's their gift I have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would just, yeah. Um, there's obviously been statements and counter statements and, and stuff. I, I would just like to see the two sides kind of get on a wee bit. I want to again and go on my high horse. And don't get me wrong, I'd be quite delighted for uh, John Nelms and Tim Keys to tell the fans, me, you, anybody who's interested, absolutely everything about. The club, and I don't see what's wrong with them doing that. I don't quite understand why they don't want to speak more. But if they don't, they don't. That's their right. Yeah. And think, yeah, on sorry, this yeah, on, on the stadium front, in terms of information, I mean, when the planning permission goes in, we will get a lot of information in that. I expect. Um, so hopefully that that comes quite soon. I mean, I read your article as well, George. It was interesting. I mean, as a fan, listen, the vast majority of fans. Don't care yeah, what exactly. goes on behind the scenes. Don't they want to go up on, on a Saturday and see their team winning, winning games on a Saturday, and put a smile on their face? Now at this point in time, things are going well for Dundee. They're in the top flight. They're doing relatively well. They're in a much better position than they have been in the past. Um, the thing that's, that struck me was, as Tom's already touched on, if it's in the articles that they should have someone on the board, why haven't they got someone on the board? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a must. The thing me. that came across from John Nelms was, and this is a bit similar to me, and, and he can come back if, if he, he thinks I'm wrong, he could not trust 
things that went on in the boardroom not to go out of the boardroom. Was that, was that I think there's been issues in the past between certain people D for Life, who, I, I don't know who those yeah. people are or if they're there. I don't think they're there anymore. Uh, D for Life have worked really hard to kind of yeah, because get, what goes get, on in the boardroom yeah. should stay get in the boardroom until yeah, John yeah. Nelms or Tim Keyes decide. Yeah, that, I mean, there is a thing that, that, I mean, from Dundee's point of view, strategically, I often pays to have your fans representative on the board because they are then bound by legal yeah. rules, yeah. which means, and I know that D for Life way in the past, uh, and when they ran the club, speaking to guys, they found it, guys were going, oh, you never told us about this that when it was ongoing you never told us about that legally they're not allowed yeah. to if they're a director of the mm -hmm. club there are some things they're bound by I do think in, in fairness to D for Life when I, when I read John Nelms say well things that are commercially sensitive yeah. well things that are commercially sensitive to him might not actually be commercial, commercially sensitive to most of the rest of us mm -hmm. so uh, I, I took that with a pinch of salt but I mean as I said a lot a, a lot of it I don't understand from from both sides like I say hey you should have somebody on the board, so get them on the board if you're Dundee and do things the, in, in a proper manner, but also use, a, use that wisely. There are things that they cannot say, even to their own organisation, that have to stay in, in the yeah. boardroom. I, 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 I don't quite understand a lot of the fuss about it. I would very much like to get past it and stop writing about <laughs> it, I have to say. Yeah, um, I think people, people out there, and I, I, I long ago gave up when I was working full-time on sport trying to explain to fans who I met socially that I just wanted to write about what happened mm. on the pitch. That's what I want to do as a supporter. Now, I accepted, and increasingly do, during the three and, and about decades that I was a footballer, more and more and more you were writing about what happens off the pitch. Uh, and that's why I, would, I, I never said to folk, this is my dream job, because the dream part of the job was writing about football. Yeah. The business side of it, Part of the part of that was why I got into journalism uh, and not accounts yeah. was because I hate all that financial stuff and everything like that. And as you say, Bear, a lot of fans are like that. Yeah. Some fans aren't. Some fans no, like and, and, to know everything and they're entitled to I'm know saying that. that the majority of fans, and I do mean the majority of fans, are only interested in what happens on the pitch on, on a Saturday. But, you know, I take my heart off to these fans who run D for Life and the Dundee yeah. Supporters Association because they yeah. are, they're the people who put their head above the parapet when times were tough and, and were able to, able to rally people together and, and keep the club afloat at certain points in time. But yeah, because I, I, I think that for a club like Dundee, it would be they could be stronger for it for having yeah. everybody together. Yes, pointing the same. And the fans have helped Dundee so oh, yeah. much in the past that it's it's always been a bit strange to me. The uh, the keys uh, administration, if you like, didn't. Uh, that's a bad word to use in relation to <laughs> 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 right enough. But it, I mean, I don't. For all that I'm saying, oh, the fans are wanting to know a bit too much, maybe, and all that. I just don't understand why the uh, when there's that history of fan support yeah. on off field matters that they didn't. They don't want a close and closer relationship, yeah. but. As I, as I say as well, it's, it's their money and yeah. it's their choice in, in a lot of ways. And and most of all, what I'm enjoying about uh, this chat is the smug smile on Alan Temple's face down the line because you don't have these issues. <laughs> oh yeah, famously Dundee United fans have always gone 
cracking with everyone else. You're just enjoying <laughs> the current laws. No, I was just, I, I, I didn't want to say anything because it's a topic that I am woefully underserved in terms of knowledge of. But what I would say is, um, it's interesting what, you know, the, the the comment there regarding how it could be a, a stronger unit if they got their heads together and came together is absolutely bang on. I mean, the I, I don't think that, you know, the current owners of United haven't always had the f- most fantastic no communications with their, their supporters groups and there's a you know a few supporters groups involved uh, around the united space but uh, in recent years it's been a, a really good relationship with uh, you know the Dundee united supporters foundation the usf and uh, you know granted that's helped when the dusf through their supporters put their hands in their pocket to such an extent you know about 500 grand Dundee, towards yeah, various projects but 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 nonetheless that line of communication there, that relationship that that fans group have with uh, Mark Ogren is a, a positive one, it's a respectful one, I think there's a, a level of trust on both sides and if that could be built um, across the road, I think uh, the comment there regarding being a stronger unit together rather than being a, a couple of factions that are, are increasingly uh, bickering through um, public means is, is probably, yeah, is, is a fair one. Yeah, I mean, Alan, is it fair to say that being an American owner and being familiar with that model where owners tend to be virtually all-powerful in American sport, it took Mark Ogren a wee while to get his head round the difference here, and it might help that if if Tim Keyes and John Nelms did the same, but after 10 years, I'm, I'm not really holding out much hope. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, uh, you know, the the initial arrival of the of the guys from the states was was a, a tad before my time. But it's uh, there's certainly um, whether it was due to the amount of uh, different United fans groups um, at the time, whether it was uh, due to the fact that you know the, the guys wanted to do business as they wanted to do it, and as you say, they were paid their money, so that was their prerogative. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I can certainly speak to the, the relationship that's there now, and it's a, it's a positive one. You just need to look across the road from Tanadice Park to what Gussie Park looks like now to realise mm-hmm. um, what a strong relationship between a fans group and the club can be, because that facility as it is right now uh, would not uh, exist without the, the DUSF. So, um, yeah, it's it's one that I could only echo the, the hopes that they can put their heads together and sort it out and actually have a conversation with each other rather than, you know, fractious emails and, and press releases because I, I don't think that really does anything for anyone, does it? So it's your fault, George. You insist they speak through you. Just the messenger. <laughs> well, hopefully by the time we return... Oh, no, wait. I was about to finish there, but I forgot Scotland are playing tonight. Just finish there. <laughs> I must have, I, I, I said this when we were coming in, Scotland are very upbeat and, and in a way it's great to see, but they're playing Spain in Seville. I, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's a very tough, I, I would I would take a 2-0 move <laughs> on to the next game. I must admit. You know what, it's, it's an opportunity for them. I mean, if you go to these championships and hopefully we will qualify, you want to go there and show that you deserve to be there. So, and you're going off to, to play teams like Spain. Yeah. You know, you've got to show that you can compete at a certain level. And I think Scotland are there now. I think Scotland, Steve Clark's done a fantastic job. So well to go there tonight and, and ideally they can get, get a point or uh, even get the win, which would be fantastic. But you know, they've bought themselves, they've bought themselves a bit of leeway in that group. And uh, 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, a, a good performance and a defeat would not be a bad thing. As long as Spain beat Norway on Tuesday, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because then that's a score for it. Well, we're about. <laughs> so that's it, Alan. We, we give Spain a nice, comfortable 2 0. A nice. Spend the second half saying, slow down, boys, slow down. Conserve your energy. We're not going to tackle you. And then Spain Absolutely. do the business against Norway. That's it. Camaraderie. Friends across the ocean. That's what you want. I, I mean, I laughed a lot at the time, but I'm worried now that what upset Rodri. Did you see that start about Man City? No, come on. Their win ratio drops 33% when he doesn't play. Really? And he's angry playing for Spain against Scotland, who he described as rubbish. Well, no one to annoy him. He's, he's not bad, but he's... He's, uh, he's not bad. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not... It's not much fit. It's been fine. He's been sitting on his bum for the past few weeks. It's good to see that even the top, top players, when they get beat, <laughs> show several grapes uh, after Yeah, can throw it. Because he, he, he usually seems a very calm yeah. lad, Rodri, <laughs> but he just threw his toys out the pram that night. I, I wonder if he thought a day later, I wish it just shot. I wish it wasn't me doing the press. But, George, I, I wonder as well, is that going to be Steve Clark's team talk tonight? Aye, McTominay, you're, the, the, ma you're the, marking Rodri. He's no bad, but you could cope <laughs> with him. I thought you, I thought you were going to say the classic uh, sticking the, the headline up on the dressing room wall. Uh, Rodri saying we're rubbish, so go for that. But McTominay, he's the man. Aye. Hope he saved a couple of double. goals. Oh, Hope yeah. he saved a couple of yeah. goals. He got a couple of the weekend. He saved Manu anyway. Yep. I, I always hated those manager things. As a, as a rubbish amateur player, they say you're rubbish. They obviously know me better than you do, because you picked me. <laughs> they wouldn't want me anywhere near the place. Anyway, that's all we've got time for this week. It's time to head out into the winter cold. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, 